Welcome to the ICANN Podcast, the podcast of the Indiana Catholic Conference. The Indiana Catholic Conference is the official public policy voice of the Catholic Bishops of Indiana. Welcome back to the ICANN Podcast. This is Alexander. And Angela. We hope that you had a peace-filled Easter. And for those of you who were able to spend it with your family, that it was a good time. And for those of you who weren't, hopefully you'll be able to get together in the very near future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, we had a good Easter and a little break on Monday and back to work on Tuesday of this week. And there's still many things going on down at the State House. We're in the last couple of weeks here. Uh, the session should be over by the last week of April. And for those of us since... You know, you can't see us. We're actually doing a little happy dance that it's almost (laughs) over. Uh, So we've got two issues to focus on this week in our podcast. The first one is Senate Bill 414. And the second one we'll be talking about the budget and two of the issue areas that are linked to the budget that we've been following this year. So we haven't really talked about 414. Um, Alexander, can you tell our listeners, what bill that is? Mm-hmm. So 414 is actually a, a sewage and drainage bill. Um, yes, you heard that right, sewage and drainage. And earlier in the session, we didn't really have any interest in it. Um, not like it's a bad idea, but it just wasn't, uh, it wasn't something we were involved with. It passed the Senate and makes its way over to the House. And in the House committee, there's an amendment that takes pretty much everybody by surprise, except for those who are working on the amendment. And the amendment uh, changed the definitions of the state's uh, wetlands regulations. Let me interject something here. Listeners have probably heard me talk about other times when amendments were tried to be added, but they were deemed to be non-germane. You would think wetlands... Sewage. Are those really relevant? I leave that to you to decide. <laughs> uh, so the speculation is that uh, the the Senate has deemed that amendment non-germane, so they'll, they'll want to take it out. But that has not been confirmed yet. So anyway, the reason we're interested in this bill is we were involved with uh, wetlands issues back in 2021, and you might remember Senate Bill 389 if you were listening back then. And um, what we were, uh, the, the reason we were following that bill then in 2021 and now this one is uh, the state of Indiana has lost a significant amount of wetlands. Let's stop here for a second. For those who weren't around when we talked about 389, um, can you give us a little refresher on what are wetlands and why are they important? Yeah, so... Wetlands obviously have a number of ecological benefits. Um, sometimes we might see a wetland and think, oh, it's like a, it's a bog. It's kind of gross and we need to get rid of it. We need to develop something and make it look nice. Um, but the, science, the, the scientists will tell us uh, the incredible ecological benefits for human health, the filtration of, of water, Wastewater, uh, water storage—that's one of the biggest benefits. Once someone um, once said, "So they don't, so the flooding is reduced, right? Flooding is reduced. Think of wetlands as the kidneys of the earth. Mm-hmm. When you talk about, you know, cleaning and keeping the system running properly. Yeah, 
Um, you also have uh, valuable habitat for a number of, of species. And so there are different types of wetlands, different uh, levels, if you will, of ecological importance. Like some are maybe less important than others, but just because they're less important doesn't mean they're not important at all. And, and that's the big debate that's happening at the state. House. And if you ask some people, the reason there are levels is because there are entities, local, state, federal, um, that would like to do more development. And if something is deemed to be less important, then that opens the opportunity for development. Mm -hmm. um, if you ask someone who is connected to ecology and the environment, they would say, I mean, think of it, wetlands as an organ in your body. You wouldn't say that your hand is less important than your foot um, because they all serve, they both serve a function. And so there are levels of wetlands, but they basically do the same thing regardless of the category that's been placed upon them. Mm -hmm. So like you said, Angela, there, there are uh, developers, builders who incur pretty significant costs if they're going to build on an area that has a wetland. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's, that's something that we think is good to maintain the few wetlands that Indiana has left particularly because it reduces costs in the long term, costs that would be associated with increased flooding, for instance. Um, and not that builders are, are necessarily want to crush the environment, but th they have an idea that they want to build for uh, less money. They want to do it more cheaply, and so this is an avenue for them to reduce their costs. Ultimately, we think, and in, in trying to evaluate this next to Catholic social teaching, is that... Um, Something that Pope Francis reminded us of in Laudato Si is that, and, and subsequent, or not subsequent, prior popes, uh, recommended that we should put caring for creation um, and recognizing our responsibility for that and how it impacts um, human health and human well-being, and that we should put those things and caring for them above short-term profit motives. Um, and they say that very explicitly. So that's kind of where we're coming from uh, in this in this issue, and what, what you know how we argued back in 2021. So what they're trying to do with this amendment is uh, further weaken the definitions of wetlands so that it's easier for developers um, to to build on some of the lower classes of of wetlands. Yeah, so we've got an action alert if you feel so called to uh, contact your legislators about this one. Let them know that you don't have any, we're not encouraging people to have issues with the underlying bill, but just the amendment that was added to it. So that's uh, Senate Bill 414. In the uh, last couple of minutes of the podcast here, we want to talk about the recently uh, released Senate budget proposal. So you may remember budget starts out in the House. It's House Bill 1001. The House a while ago passed this budget back in the first half of the session. And so now it's been in the Senate, has been you know, deliberated, and finally in these last couple of weeks of session, the Senate releases their budget proposal, and, and they work on what they want. Ultimately, at the end of the session, we'll, it'll be, the, the budget will go to a conference committee for them to work out okay, what is ultimately in this budget bill. 
as it stands, we're not as happy as we could be with the budget. Um, you may remember there was a lot of talk about Senate Bill 1, um, priority for mental health and having appropriate funding and having um, the appropriate people respond when there's a mental health crisis, having the appropriate location to take people, not taking mentally ill people to county jail, holding sales, that type of thing. Um, after uh, research um, and based on the need, mental health needs that have been experienced in different counties across the state, it was determined that we would need 130 million. The budget only includes 30 million. Mm -hmm. 30 million for all the mental health needs for the entire state. Mm -hmm. And something's better than nothing, maybe. Right. Yeah, and that's that's the thing is that the prediction was that in order to set up this system to succeed that you would need a significant amount of funding to get it started. And um, yeah, so w we may not have a good sense of whether or not it will succeed if it's not fully uh, funded, at least even closer to the 130 million, as opposed to just the 30. And uh -huh. remember, the state has a surplus, mm -hmm. continues to have a surplus. Mm -hmm. And so the, we'll, we'll be continuing to ask legislators about uh, making sure that this is properly uh, properly funded as as best as we can get and that's exactly what we want is as best as we can get um there's another issue that the budget impacts as well this is something that we've had our eyes on is this um the the school choice funding right so where where is that now we were trying to get uh expansion of school choice and doesn't look like that's going to happen this year um and it was a big ask after the expansion of last year. School choice can be a touchy issue because people see it as, you know, an either or proposition that you fund school choice and therefore you must be taking away from the public schools. That's not necessarily so. Um, or people think that if you are a proponent of school choice that you don't like public schools and that's not necessarily true. Um, we've said before that there are some great public schools, and depending on the family and the child, public school could be the best option. Depending on the family and the child, private school could be the best option. Um, my daughter did both. She started off at a private school where originally there were like 32 kids in the whole school. <laughs> it grew and uh, grew from a three classes to now it has, you know, a high school. And so she went from a class of 32 in eighth grade and then went over to North Central High School <laughs> where she had a class of 1,100 in her freshman class. Um, because as she had matured and developed, she needed a bigger environment. And so it's important for all families to be able to, to make that decision. and finances shouldn't stand in the way of what's going to be the best educational environment, you know, mentally, academically, or maybe even spiritually for a child and their family. Mm -hmm. So we'll be back next year fighting for school choice expansion. Um, and by expansion, the ultimate goal for proponents of school choice is to make it universal. That means everyone, not just those you know, at the lower end of the economic scale um, would be able to have a choice. But if you are a family, you know, working 
and have several children that it's not a lottery which kid gets to go to private school that you would have that option for choice Mm -hmm. now the house version of the budget when it came over to the Senate, it it had some pretty significant expan- expansion, probably what some would call near universal um, eligibility uh, caps, and, and then also elimination of the pathways to get into the program. So what we're hearing now is that even though the Senate has not included anything for expanding school choice in their version of the budget, that in negotiations there might be some expansion. Um, probably not everything that the House was asking for, and probably not nothing. Um, so we're going to continue to keep an eye on it, and we have an action alert on our website. If this would impact you and your family, please reach out to your legislator. Let them know that it's important to you, and that helps them to know that it's it's a, a popular uh, program and something that uh, would benefit you as as their constituent. Well, and it could impact families in different ways, even if... If you're in a public school and you don't want you choose not to have your children go to a, a private school, if there are children in the public school who would be better served at a private school, but they're limited, and then they're disruptive <laughs> because that's not the best educational fit for them, then it would impact another family. So it should be looked at from through different lenses, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's all we have for you this week. We are grateful that you listen to our podcast, whether online or on Catholic Radio Indy. Thank you for following our, our work. Please continue to pray for us, and we'll see you next week. God bless. God bless.